Good morning. Uh, it is a great morning. It is. And I agree with Mike, you know, that we're rejoicing in new life in Jesus Christ. We are. We're rejoicing in water baptism. You know, as we look to the end of the month, you see that light up the night trunk or treat. It's just another way that we say, we love you to this community. God bless you. A safe environment, a Christian environment. And this is just off the top of my head, but I believe last year in Pinsburg, we had about a thousand people show up. Amen. Amen. I think here in Quakertown, 14, 1500, something like that. I got to look to my wife. She tells the truth. I evangelistically expect, no, no. But that, that's a lot of people. We're going to do it again. We can do it together. It takes each and every one of us to light up the night for Jesus Christ. So we look forward to these nights, Quakertown and Pinsburg. And you know, it's good to be together today. We've been talking about these cultural misbeliefs. Things that we've said that God says, but does He really say that? Does the Bible really say that? Things that we've attributed to God, but... Things actually he's never ever said, but we kind of think that he says these things. For example, we've talked about God will never give you more than you can handle. How many's found that? That's not true. <laughs> we have to depend on God. We have to pray. He's going to give us far more than I can handle all by myself. Also, it doesn't matter what you do as long as you don't hurt anyone. Well, that's not true. It doesn't matter what you believe as long as you are sincere. Well, that really is not true. And today, I think probably the most popular misbelief about God, I'm going to say this, in our American, in our American version of Christianity, and it's this, God just wants you to be happy. God just wants you to be happy. Above all else, He wants you happy. Doesn't that sound good? I like to be happy. There's days I've said, Lord, I just really want to be happy. Let's be honest, how many thought that? Yeah, that sounds good. I like that to be true. I just want to be happy. And I love to tell all of you that above all else, God wants you happy. That God only allows good things to take place in your life. Nothing bad will ever happen. Well, the bottom line is this. God wants you happy all the time. And I could read a Scripture verse and kind of get you to believe that today. Psalm 97, 12. May all who are godly be happy. Happy. I'm sure a lot of you remember this song from some years ago. And it's just going to cheer you up. Here we go. You remember this. Come on. It's coming. Oh, pump it up. You got to pump that up a little bit. Okay. I've embarrassed my wife now. Here. Yeah. Come on, white men can't dance. Here we go. Happy. Don't you feel happier now? Come on. Come on. 
It's one of the big cultural misbeliefs and mistakes that God wants people happy. We even, God's people can even believe this about God. So we're going to break this down today. In the big idea, your happiness isn't the highest priority of God. He wants you to be more than happy. He wants you and I to be blessed. There's a difference. So let's stand together. If you would, hold God's Word and maybe take the Bible, the app. Let's just say it together today that we believe the Lord is here. and He's going to speak to us through His Word. And there's something in here for all of us. Something in here that we can receive today. What does God have for us? What's He saying to us? Let's say it together. This is my Bible. This is the Word of God. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Whenever you hear the word, faith comes to my spirit. I boldly confess my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God, and it will change my life. I'll never be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. I encourage you, please, please, write some notes down. Open up the app. The notes are there. But let's look at the theology of happiness. Let's look at this first. The theology of happiness. First of all, if you believe that God wants you happy above all else, you'll believe this. Whatever makes me happy must be right. Whatever makes me unhappy must be wrong. Talking about songs this morning, Shell Crow even saying about this. If it makes you happy, it can't be that bad. That bad. And then secondly, we then start to believe discomfort and delay and risk and suffering and inconveniences and obstacles. Well, they can't ever, ever be from God if they're happening in our life. In other words, if something isn't right, God must not be working in my life. And then we look at, without knowing it, without realizing it, we'll fall into this. I begin to worship the false gods of comfort and money, pleasures, and possessions. Now, if you've been here a while, you've heard me talk about biblical finances, stewardship, You've heard me talk about what true biblical prosperity is. And I'm going to tell you, God anointed money. God will take money and He'll turn ideas and dreams into action. God is not against money. But if we have this mindset, this mindset will begin to worship those false gods of comfort, money, pleasure, and possession. So here's the problem. When I believe above all else, God just wants His children, He wants you, He wants me, above all else, to be happy, I begin to believe, and here's the problem, and it's big, I begin to believe that God exists to serve me. That's dangerous. That's not true. You need to get a hold of this. God doesn't exist to serve us. We exist to serve God. Say, we exist to serve God. Tell your neighbor, we exist to serve God. We need to understand that. God's here. 
<laughs> if God is here to make me happy, we will reduce the great I am, the creator of the universe and sustainer of the universe, the Holy One, down to a cosmic vending machine. If He's here to make me happy, money in the machine, I press the button, and what takes place, I've done my part, and contractually, the machine has to give me what I desire. I put money in, I want that water. I put money in, I want that soda. I put money in, I want that payday candy bar. It's contractually obligated to give me what I want. That machine is here to serve me. And if that becomes our mindset, we reduce God down to a formula. I pray my prayers, I go to church, I try to do good things, not bad things. I put money in the offering, I helped an old lady. I didn't run over my neighbor's cat with my car. I kind of wanted to, but I didn't. Therefore, <laughs> I should get the raise. I should get the dream house. I should get the dream car. My acne should go away. That girl should go out with me. I put money in, push the button. Therefore, God should do what I want Him to do. So here's the great problem of this misbelief. It's sad. Too many people end up walking away from God for the wrong reasons because they have the wrong beliefs. They'll say things like, I've heard it, you've heard it, you may have been there at one time. I tried church. I did the God thing. I tried religion. It didn't work. I even went to connect group for a while. I even tried reading the Bible. And I'm still not any better off. See, if you believe God exists to make you happy, and then when you're not really happy, it forces you to believe what? God failed. I'm not really happy, and I've tried these things, the church thing, the Bible study thing, reading the Bible thing, the Christian thing, and I'm not really that happy. So what do I begin to believe? God failed me. And the truth is, God never fails. I want to say that again. The truth is, God never fails. Failure is not in God's vocabulary. Failure is not part of God's resume. Our God never, ever, can never, ever fail. He does not fail. I fail. You fail. My God never fails. Hallelujah. The problem is we started with the wrong presupposition, which is led you into a dangerous place. Now, let me say this. After depressing you with God doesn't want you to be happy. I believe, I really, really believe that God our Father does delight in your happiness. Now, follow me. I believe that it brings Him joy just as any parent is delighted with his child when a parent watches his child or his grandchildren. How many people get delight in your children? Most days. Most days. Okay, most days. Man, you, I can remember. Now I'm going through with my grandchildren. But I, I remember, I'm delighted when, when they play baseball or they play football or soccer. I delighted in their music achievements. And you watch your child sing or act at a play or a production and, and you're delighted. They're happy. You're happy. They're your children. That's God our Father. Now they're grown up. 
and, and, and their husbands and their fathers, and I delight when they make their business goals and they share that with me. I delight in their promotions. I delight that they've bought a nice new home. But I am not happy about those things. Because they're happy, I'm happy. But that's not what it's all about. I delight in that they're men of God. I delight that they're men of character and integrity. They love their wives and they love their families and they love Jesus Christ first and foremost. I take delight that they're young men of God. Somebody say amen. Amen. And with that, God doesn't want you and I to pursue happiness this morning. He wants us to pursue Him. I want us to hear that today. We're not to pursue God for our happiness, but for who He is. Desire the heart of God and not the hand of God. The Apostle Paul said this, I want to know Christ in the power of His resurrection, and I want to share in the fellowship of His sufferings. I want to know Him and Him alone. All I'm about is knowing Jesus Christ. I think it's a day that His church needs to know Jesus so we can stand in this hour. So let's look at two specific reasons God doesn't want you just to be happy. And I'm going to say a few things today that may seem a little challenging, and then it's also going to be encouraging. Is that all right today? If you don't think so, too bad. I'm going to say it anyway. Because I love you. I'm going to speak the truth of love here today. So we look at this. Reasons God doesn't want you just to be happy when, when it causes you to do something wrong or unwise or sinful, or stupid. How many can relate to some of those things right there? See, the belief system that God wants you happy empowers us to do what is actually wrong, and then we can justify it in our minds. How many has convinced yourself that what you were doing is right when absolutely it was wrong? You've convinced yourself. We can do that to us. Five of us have done that, and I'm in that category. So what's up with that? Come on. We said, I'm going to really enjoy this. I'm going to, how many's made a purchase and you've convinced yourself, I really need this. And you really didn't need it. And some of you guys tried to convince your spouse, I really need this. Yeah. How many have done some stupid things in your life? Yeah. <laughs> Unnecessary things in your life. Yeah. Unnecessary risk. Come on. Driving too fast. How many have done some of those things? Friends have told you, come on, do it. Don't be chicken. You go, yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm not a chicken. Yeah, but yeah, we've done some of those things. So here's a problem. Too many people believe. Scripture says and teaches us in 1 Peter 1.15. I want you to hear this. But now, just as he who called you is happy, so be happy in all you do. Doesn't sound quite right, does it? No, because it doesn't say that. The word actually says here in 1 Peter 1.15, but now. We need to hear how good this is. We hear this one word, and somehow, even in our renewed, righteous mind, we think it's not quite right, and it can't be that good. But the Lord says, but now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God chose you who is holy. For the Scripture says you must be holy because I am am holy. God says, I have something far better for you. It's 
holiness. It's not a drag. It's not depressing. I've set you apart now for my special use and my special service. You're not ordinary. You're not mundane. But you are now holy. And holy is far better than happiness, thank God. Amen. So here's an example, a couple examples. As a pastor over the years, I performed a lot of marriage ceremonies. And Teresa and I, to our very best, you know, we, here at Morningstar, we have premarital counseling. Of course, people go through. We want to set couples up to succeed. Some godly counseling, some practical counseling. We believe in it. Even though we love Jesus, we didn't have that. And let me tell you, it would have helped us. <laughs> we were in love. We got married fast. We got to know each other in those first few months of marriage. Yeah. And now we've been married 41 years. Praise God. Amen. Yeah. You're not getting rid of me. I'm a bad penny. I keep showing up, you know. But so we believe in premarital counseling. And then sometimes years go by and I run into a couple or see a couple or I've heard it from other couples. And, and how's it going? How you doing? And oh, we're not married anymore. And, what happened? And I'm not saying this because there's enough guilt and pain that comes with divorce. I don't want anyone to walk out of here feeling any guilt. And, you know, I, I can't imagine the pain that goes with that. But they say, we're not married anymore. And I say, what happens? What happened? Well, things weren't going good. And she wasn't happy. And I wasn't happy. And so, you know, we just got a divorce. Who I'm talking to, and I don't know who I'm talking to, or maybe online, I'm talking to you. You may be in the worst of marriage right now. The worst of marriage. Because marriage is not about being happy each and every day. Hey, thank God I'm married. I thank God for Teresa. She thanks God for me, right? Yeah, okay. <laughs> but I'd be lying to you if I told you we've had 41 years every day of happy marriage. Uh-uh. You see, because marriage is not about being happy. Marriage is about a covenant between a man and a woman and God. And on that day, you stood before God to make a covenant with God and a covenant to each other that we would be married for better or worse till death do us part. We'll be married for the rest of our lives until we're parted by death. We made a covenant. And so I'm going to tell you, in those worst of times, you work at it because hard work will pay off and you'll get to the better part of marriage. I thank God that we did and we have, and we're here, and we're going, and you can do the same also. Somebody say amen. 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 But holy, all you do, all you do, we can become like Christ. We are like Christ. We can represent Jesus well on planet earth. And then the belief system of God wants us to be happy, empowers us to do what is actually wrong, and then we justify it in our minds. 
You can like cake. How many people like cake? Raise your hand. You like cake? I'm going to eat cake every day. Not just one piece day, but I'm eating cake every day. Cake is good. I like cake. I'm eating cake every day. Do you think it's going to be good for you if you eat cake every day of your life? Say it with me. No. No. It'd be wrong. It'd be unwise. You hate your job. A lot of people have been there. You can't stand your job. You have three young children. They depend on you, but you can't stand your job. You just... You just dream about walking into the boss's office and you can tell him to take this job. Well, you know what? But you have three people dependent on you. You have four, your wife and your three kids. And, and you don't walk in and quit your job without already having another job. But there's people that have done that and they do that because they are not so happy. Or... My spouse isn't meeting my needs. I have needs. So I'm going to look at this. I justify it. So I'm going to do this. I justify it. And the thing here is don't be stupid. Don't be sinful. And the list could go on and on and on and on. So here's a hard truth. Well, that's why I said some of these things I'm going to say is hard. The church in America has fallen into we worship at the altar of happiness. And the thing is, we have a higher standard. We're called to a higher standard. And then we look at the second time God doesn't want us to be happy when it's only based on the things of this world. Lots of advertisements out there everywhere. Radio, TV, pop-up on our laptops, on our cell phones telling us we need these products. You need it. You need it. I see this advertisement Virtually for night vision driving glasses. I have to be honest with you. That sounds pretty cool to me. I think I want to get those. Do I need those? Absolutely not. But I want to see what it would be like to be driving with those glasses, you know? I need a snuggy blanket with holes in it. Yeah. And, and I'm no lie. They're telling us, I need $50 underwear now. <laughs> this better be amazing underwear, let me tell you. It better give me a whole new body. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. This piece of exercise equipment that you need, it's guaranteed to give you muscles without ever lifting weights. It's amazing. I need this new car. It's luxurious. It's fast, it saves the environment, it's electric, it drives itself practically. I need that car. I don't care if it's $100,000, I need it. And of course, you need that Mediterranean cruise. You need this makeup, you need these hair products, you need that outfit. In fact, you need a whole new look. So here's our culture, the formula of our culture. Better possessions plus peaceful circumstances, plus thrilling experiences, plus the right relationships, plus the perfect appearance, equals happiness. Happiness guaranteed. The problem with these, how many see there's a problem in these? They're all based on happenings, and happenings change all the time. Based on stuff, and stuff never ever lasts. All these are simply 
counterfeits. And let me tell you, that's all the devil has for you and me are counterfeits. He's not original. He can't create. It's counterfeit after counterfeit after counterfeit. I try it. I'm empty. I try it. I'm dissatisfied. I try it and there's a hole still in my life because he's a big counterfeiter. Amen? It's like Subway tuna fish, the tuna sub. It's not real tuna fish. You know that? It's not real tuna fish. It's a counterfeit. Yeah, God doesn't want you happy when it's based on the things of the world. The Apostle John tells us this in 1 John chapter 2, 15 and 17. Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure. A craving for everything we see. A pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father. We, they are from the world. And this world is fading away. Along with everything people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. Anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. I want to be a God pleaser, not a man pleaser. How many plan on living forever this morning in this room at Morningstar? Come on, I'm living forever, amen? I'm living forever. I'm living forever and ever and ever. God wants you to experience the blessed life, and the blessed life is based on His goodness and His presence and His power. You can have joy no matter what's going on in your life. Happiness depends on if I feel good, if I look good, if I have money in the bank. What do people think about me, say about me? Happiness is external. Joy is from the Lord and it's an inside job. Joy is internal satisfaction. Joy is independent of outward circumstances. I'm blessed, hallelujah. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I can have unspeakable joy and full of glory. You see, being blessed doesn't mean I never get sick. I never lose a position. I never have a bad day. Blessed means that I, it doesn't mean that I never have any problems. But God says, you know, yes to all my prayers. See, joy is so much more. Blessed means that in the middle of my pain or difficulties, I can experience the goodness of God. Amen? In the middle of the seasons of life. The middle of a bad stretch. That's why when we went through the 23rd Psalm, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for Thou art with me. Hallelujah. In the middle of that dark valley, you're going to meet the great shepherd, the good shepherd. This is where you grow. That's where you mature. You don't grow on the mountaintop. You don't grow in the good times. You grow in the valleys. You grow in the darkness. That's where you press in. That's where you meet God. That's where you're on your knees. That's where you know that you know that you know my God is real. My God is real. Man, I've been there several places. Three years ago, at this very time, I was at that place in my life, in this ministry. But I got again in the dark valley. I met my shepherd again. I met my great shepherd again. And I began to find out, my God is real. The goodness of the Lord. Is it okay if I preach a little bit this morning? <laughs> John 16, 33. 
He tells us this. I've told you all of this so that, Jesus says, so that you may have peace in me here on earth. You may have trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. <laughs> Woo! Hallelujah. He didn't just say, I have overcome the trials and the sorrows. He said more than that right there. I have overcome the world. Jesus is telling us, now that we're in Christ, we're part of that overcoming. We're more than overcomers, amen? We're more than conquerors. He said, I have overcome the world. That means I have overcome the environment. Not just the elements of that environment. Not just the trials, not just the sorrows, not just the bad times, the bad seasons. Those are only elements. I've overcome the whole thing. I've overcome the whole environment of a fallen, broken, sinful, dysfunctional world. I have overcome. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. The problem is, here's the problem. We're looking for a problem-free, pain-free life. And when we don't have a problem-free, pain-free life, we start to blame God. And the reality is this, and I want you to hear this, God wants to be and can be active in our pain-filled, problem-filled life in those times, in those seasons. We live in a sinful, broken world, and it's getting more so every day. And just because you're blessed doesn't mean you're not going to have any trials. Just because you're blessed doesn't mean you're not going to feel weak at times. It doesn't mean there's not going to be storms. What it does mean is this. When you're in the middle of a storm, you can experience an awesome God. Amen? We look at the Apostle Paul's life. That's why you got to read the Word. Do you think he was always happy? Do you think the Apostle Paul was always happy? Well, look at this. For the Gospel, and I'm about ready to wrap this up, he was rejected. <laughs> For the Gospel, at times friends left him. He went hungry. He was beaten. Maybe the one you're not going to like the most is he went hungry, okay? He went hungry. He was beaten. He was stoned, left for dead. He was in prison. He was naked. He was misunderstood. But he encourages us with these words from Romans chapter 5. And this is the process for growing us up, for maturing us for the church of Jesus Christ. We're in a season right now in this world in America. It's time for the church of Jesus Christ to grow up. Come on. God's blessed this nation. This isn't political. This is spiritual. I deviate. I'm taking longer. These truths that this nation was built upon, that all men are created equal, these were not given to us by men or a government. They have been given to us by God. These freedoms. Because of this free nation, the church in America has had the ability to send Jesus Christ to this world. If it wasn't for the Christians in America taking the gospel to the world, the world would not have been reached. America played a key part. You need to understand that. Now other countries have picked it up. When I'm saying that to say this, all about this freedom 
in America. Other countries of the world have matured and grown through tribulation, trials, and sorrows, and persecution. And they have become a mature, strong church. That's why I say we in America need to mature and grow up. It's a day to get strong. We become weakened by our comforts and our pleasures. So Paul encourages us, this is the process, the road to maturity. I've got to be honest with you, I like it easy. God's not into easy. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. Not the great tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. We like it easy. We like easy Christianity. But easy Christianity is going to get us nowhere. It's gotten us to where we are today in America. And I'm going to be blunt right now. Here it is. The church in America is fat, lazy, out of shape, soft, weak, unfocused, divided, and we are of little influence in our culture. It's time to get strong today in Jesus Christ. Amen? I don't want to be a preacher, a pastor that produces fat, lazy, influential Christians. We're going to be the church of Jesus Christ. A glorious church without spot or wrinkle. Washed in the blood of the Lamb. A dynamic testimony and influence in an ungodly dark culture. It's our day to rise and to shine and to stand strong for Jesus. Hallelujah. So let's learn from Paul. He wants us to grow up. His church be mature. Equip us for this day. In the hour of testing and trials, you can experience what Paul did. Strength and weakness, a comfort and pain, peace in the storm, a joy in the trials. You can know and experience. You may be going through something tough today. I want you to know, personally, you can know and experience the great I am. The Prince of Peace. We can experience today the Lion of the tribe of Judah, Jesus, the bright and morning star, the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the God who led Moses and the children of Israel to the Red Sea and parted the waters, and they walked across on dry land. He led them by the cloud by day and the fire by night. The God who was with Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace, that God delivered them. The God who went with David before the giant Goliath, and he slew the giant. That same God is with us today. Hallelujah. Not fairy tales. Not little stories. My God's going to show up today for you and for me. Hallelujah. The same God is able to stand with us. Our God. I believe we're going to say as the church of Jesus Christ in this day and this hour, our God is awesome. Our God is mighty in power. There is no one like our God. Look to our God. Those that know their Lord, their God, they will do exploits, mighty things for God. Get ready. Tell your neighbor to get ready.
Get ready. Get ready. Okay, here we go. I'm going to ask you to stand in just a moment. I'm going old school here. I'm going to read out of the Bible. It's not on the screen. It's a novel idea, isn't it? Woo! Here's what Paul says. Good word for us right now. Because we need to get strong. Romans chapter 8, you know it. For whom, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined. No, no, let me jump on down. Okay, yeah, I'm going to start right there. I'm going to stay there. To be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? We're the elect of God. You're the elect. Tell your neighbor, you're the elect of God. It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ who loves us. Hallelujah. More than. More than. More than. Three things we pull out of there. You are more than a conqueror. Nothing's ever going to separate you from the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this one's in there. It's in there. Our God leaves no one behind. Our God leaves no one behind. We like things easy. We like it comfortable. But I want to tell you, what's the day that we're living in? I believe God is building His church. He is maturing us. He is growing us up. And, you know, He's up to something big because our God is big. And He knows it's not easy, does it? He doesn't like easy, does it? Easy won't work. God isn't into easy. But He's got more in store for you and His church and me than comfort, money, pleasure, and possessions. We have a kingdom that knows no end. And we are advancing the kingdom of God. He wants to build us. He wants to strengthen us. He wants to prepare you. God doesn't waste a hurt. God doesn't waste a trial. God doesn't waste a tragedy. God doesn't waste anything. We are getting ready for a move of God. Amen? All right. I've gone longer. Give me five more minutes. Thank you. I didn't even wait for you to respond. Here's a scripture that God's been speaking to me. Jeremiah had a tough ministry, the prophet. It was a hard ministry. I wouldn't want that ministry. But the Lord challenged him and chastised him in chapter 12, verse 5. When Jeremiah was having a pity party and says, I can't, I can't, I can't. This is too much. This is just wait, wait. And here's what God said. And this is what God says to you and me, I think, today. The Lord rebuked Jeremiah for his impatience, saying, 
Anybody ever just get impatient? Like, what in the world is going on, God? Come on. Come on. Sometimes I, I find myself like the sons of thunder, you know, James and John. Come on, God, bring down fire on these people right now. Fire. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, no, no, no. <laughs> but here's what the Lord says. If you have raced with men on foot and they have tired you out, if you can't handle this, then how can you compete with horses? If you fall down in the land of peace, if you fall down in the land of peace where you feel secure, then how will you do among the lions? You think this day is hard? It's going to get harder. God's not into easy. He's building you. He's building me. And I need my helper to come. If you would come here. Jeff. You see, we get it wrong. I've used this before, but we get it wrong. We are not human beings, listen to this, with a spiritual experience. If you're in Christ, know Christ today, you're not a human being with a spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings with a temporary human experience. You've seen this before. Oh, I used this so many years ago. Come on, keep stretched out. Go over there. We're going to make this tight. Come on, let's, let's do it. Come on. Hold it up. Pull it tight. How many see this rope? Come on, help me out here. Participate. Don't leave me out here hanging. How many see this? is a long rope. This depicts our life. How many can see this little red section right here? This is our life on planet Earth. This is all of eternity. We're spiritual beings with a human experience. We think this is it. We think this is everything. We place all of our hope, all of our dreams, all of our plans, all of our energy, all of our resources in this little red line. This is all there is. But we are created, born again, saved, filled with the Holy Spirit for so much more. Hallelujah. So much more. I'm living for eternity. How long are you living? Come on, amen. I'm living for eternity. How long are you living today? How many's living for eternity in the balcony up there? How many's living for eternity over here? How about right here? Eternity, eternity. How many's living for eternity over here? Amen. Amen. Let's stand up if you would, please. I'm going to read Psalm 97, verse 12 again. I'm going to read it the right way. May all who are godly rejoice in the Lord and praise His holy name. Happiness, joy, contentment, and satisfaction is only found in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask you to do something right now. We're going to sing in just a minute. We're going to praise all those who are godly we rejoice in the Lord and praise His holy name. How many godly people can praise the Lord right now? Let's lift up a voice. Let's lift up a shout. Let's get like we're filled with the Spirit. Let's get like we know our God. Let's lift up the name of the Lord here today. Let's let the neighbors hear it. Let's let Quaker Town hear it. Let's bless the name of Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. 
I know my God. I know my Lord. I'm godly in Jesus Christ. I'm blessing His holy name. We're the church. We're the church of Jesus Christ. Praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. Glory to your name. You alone are worthy. We lift up the name above every name. The name of Jesus. Glory. 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 I shake off the heaviness. I shake off the discouragement. I shake off the sorrow. I rejoice in the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, now let's praise Him. Let's praise Him with the song. Let's praise Him with the song. Hallelujah. Well, let's let it rise, church. Let him rise in the house of God. Well, let him rise. Rejoice in the Lord today. Hallelujah. 
Church, receive the joy of the Lord. Be strengthened today in the presence of God. Stand strong and in the power of His might. Hallelujah. Oh, here's the action step. Prayer partners, would you come? Prayer team, would you come? We're going to close in prayer. If you need prayer today, I want you to come. God answers the prayers we pray. Not the ones we don't pray. You have a need? God's here to meet your need. If you have to go, God bless you. Have a great day in the Lord. But here's the action step today. Desire the heart of God and not His hand. And then His will will become your will. Because you have His heart. You've been praying and desiring things not coming to pass. Maybe it's not the heart and will of God. Get His heart. And you'll pray and see correctly. Psalm 37, verse 4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He'll give you the desires of your heart. Get His heart, not His hand. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him also, and He will do it. I want you... To have the God life. Not this world's good life. I want you to have the God life today. When you have the God life, that's going to be your good life. Hallelujah. Jesus, we just commit this to you today. May we, your church, here in Quakertown and Pittsburgh, seek your heart, not just your hand. We want you more and above anything else. We want your life, the God life. Jesus, implant within us. We are living for so much more. We're living for eternity. Forever and ever and ever and ever and ever with you, Lord. Amen and amen. Amen. God bless you. If you need to go, oh, praise God, live for Jesus. If you need prayer, we're going to be right here to pray with you. Let's close out and worship this way. Amen. Are you hurting and broken within? Oh, God bless you, church. Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin, Jesus is calling. Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling. 
bear your cross as you wait for the crown tell the world of the treasures you found Lord, we bless you and we thank you so much for all you're doing in our lives and in this church and in this place. We pray, God, that you go before us this week, that you'll be with us, that you'll go behind us and beside us. Lord, bless your people. Father, let us be blessed coming and going in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. God bless you, church. Have a great week. Thank you.